This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 300 for the week of May 27th, 2012. Congratulations, Konzenshu podcast on 300 episodes. What's up, internet live broadcast internet? Welcome to Konzenshu. The podcast. That's right, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Konzenshu. Correctamundo. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. We are somehow live broadcasting this uh, here podcast on the internet. Uh, somehow. I don't really understand how we are accomplishing this, but we are doing so. Uh, let's go around and introduce everyone across the internets in the oceans julian the uh the original co-host joining us all the way from japan welcome sir yes it's it's a pleasure to be here on the internet okay <laughs> and yes. then across from me here in new jersey the wife mary welcome to the show ma'am it's good to be here in this nice cold basement away from the humidity i know i know it's actually it's finally summer here. man i know so glad what's so glad. it like over there in japan julian it's getting warmer, but it's actually pretty comfortable right now. Although, on the other hand, having been here for almost five years, I'm no longer sure what, what's warm and what's cold. <laughs> That's dangerous. Mm, yeah, I'll go back there and I'll just be freezing the whole time. So we got Julian. We got Mary. That leaves me. My name is Mike Vegito EX. It is episode 300 of our show. It's a regular episode for us in terms of a topic, content, all that stuff. But I did want to do something special. So that something special turned into emergency. Hey, Julian, why don't you see my Google invite? Can Oh my God, why doesn't Hangout work? For, oh, we got it. We're live broadcasting. Technology. Yeah, it. I don't know. It's just like a big black box. You know? <laughs> well, it's a it's a white box because you have a Macintosh. Well, it's silver. Yeah. All right. White boxes haven't been around for years, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't played with Mac since OS seven. Ah, uh, welcome here <laughs> oh, to our three hundredth episode. We're gonna celebrate a little bit just in terms of the live broadcast, sure, but we also have lots of questions and responses from you, the fans. But in terms of everything else, like I said, it's a by the numbers episode. We have a topic for you, we have news, we have all that regular stuff that I like to do, the great engaging fun content. But uh I guess let's talk about that topic this episode. Mary, you sorta I told I you. I did. Once. I kinda you told me once and then I gave myself a sneak preview. Oh, you did? Were you looking at the notes page? I was looking at stuff. I okay. shouldn't have because now I spoiled it for me. I would oh. have rather have uh, <laughs> been surprised. All right. Well, questions later on. We'll Actually, no, you. maybe we're talking about different things. Are you just reading completely different things? I, I might be. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think I might have read half of what we're going to be doing. Okay. Maybe not so much the second half. That's okay. Do you know where you are right now? I am on Mars, right? Oh. Oh. The brown planet. Okay. Oh. I mean, basement. fine. What we're doing this episode, we're going to talk what ifs. You, if you are followers of the Konzenshu forum, you may have noticed that I put up a topic in the in-universe section, which I tend to steer not entirely clear of. But I did notice our buddy Kaboom, who is watching the live broadcast right now, noted in our chat, WTF, why is Mike hanging out in the in-universe section? Aha, <laughs> dear listeners, I am using and abusing you this week for our podcast <laughs> oh, no. You just don't know it, or you didn't know it. We now, just I said. Yes, you know it now. That uh, Yes, this is what I do. Before we head into the news, we do have a story for you, and this story 
Julian is coming courtesy of you. You don't know that we're telling the story right now, but you're going to tell us a story. And that is the story of how you came to acquire all of the lyrics to Dragon Ball Party, the closing theme to Infinite World on the PS2. Well, anyway, Julian, there are lyrics that are wrapped in that song that are not present in the written lyrics for that song. And yet you have complete lyrics on Konzenshu. I would like to hear this story from you, sir. All the way from the beginning, do not leave anything out, including all of your Twitter contacts. Okay, so back at the beginning, uh, it was years ago when the song first came out, you wanted me to do it, and I tried to do it, and I was unsuccessful. And I think it kind of put me off of translating lyrics for the site for a few years. <laughs> it was just that that crushing. <laughs> Because the the rap is really really indecipherable if you're if you're not canon. But anyway, so flash forward a few years and there's Twitter. I discovered that the original lyricist has a Twitter account, so I sent her a message asking if she knew what the lyrics were for that section, and she said, "Come to think of it, I don't have those anymore. You could ask Kanon." <laughs> and well, that's great. I don't know who she is. After that point, I think she sort of had second thoughts about, um, you know, giving contact information to a random person who was just, you know, a crazy foreign fan. So that that became kind of a dead end. But I had another idea. I discovered that it was available on karaoke systems. So in Japan, karaoke is not, or I'm sorry, karaoke <laughs> is not just... You can say it properly. It's fine. You're in Japan. Okay. <clears throat> it's not just something that you do at a bar, say, when you're drunk. But there are also dedicated karaoke establishments where you can go with your friends and you get a room and then you all sit around and sing and you have drinks and okay, so it kind of becomes something like the drunken thing at the bar. But anyway, a dedicated system that has a huge network of songs. Some of them are actually even with the original instrumentation. I thought, well, maybe since it's a huge chunk of the song, the lyrics are written in the karaoke version. So during the Golden Week holiday, I went out to a place that had the system with the song in its library and I sort of surreptitiously took a video with my iPhone while I was singing the song but um, my my singing for that song was not so good so that is dedication sir yes it also allowed me to double check a couple of other things like Goku's spoken lines for the Son Goku song in the original Dragon Ball. Oh my god. Which I got correct, that, actually. That old stuff was in the system there? A few of them. And that I actually got correct uh, in my retranslation, although my original translation from years and years ago was not right. So Damn, man. Like I said, just total dedication here. The sign of a true Dragon Ball warrior, I think. Julian, <laughs> you deserve yeah, the round of applause that you are receiving Oot. over the internet right now. So that is the story that I wanted to tell, and by... I, I mean, I wanted Julian to tell. So with that out of the way, yes. let's do some news. All right, the first old news old. that we have here is the Dragon Ball Z for Connect QR codes trailer, which apparently I missed a month ago when some Chinese site put it up. But Namco Bandai Europe put it up uh, just, what was this, two days ago as of our recording here, showing off the QR codes that will be integrated into Dragon Ball Z for Connect, the upcoming 360 Connect exclusive game, which appears to just be Ultimate Tenkaichi, Ultimate Blast, wrapped in a first person perspective. Anyway, 
anyway, we know there's going to be about 20 of these codes. They showed off. Yeah, you hold it into the camera thing here and it'll unlock stuff and that's very exciting anyone have any thoughts on this whatsoever because i have no uh, thoughts because we were just talking the other day what what the heck would anyone use a qr code for we've never actually seen anyone use them in real life and i guess video games is a good application of them i suppose they use them in japan oh yeah i mean i know what they're for i mean i know what they're for too but i have one on my fucking banana why am i gonna scan my banana I mean, it's a little overkill. I don't know. Weird. Julian, do you actively see people using them for anything? Or is it just like, yeah, that's a code? Vaguely, sometimes. I don't know how frequently they are, but it is definitely a feature on most Japanese cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Does it come standard? Or do you have to get an extra app like we do on the iPhone? Like, is it? Um, usually comes standard on Japanese feature phones, although okay. you usually have to download an app for smartphones. Yeah, yeah. But generally, they send you to websites for particular things. So if there's a QR code right. on a poster right. or something that gives you more information, that sort of thing. So I would assume for the game, it gives you a link to something valuable. Of some well, in kind. this case, it's going to be unlockable things within the game. Just, I, uh, I don't know, characters and attacks and that kind of stuff. All I right. would love to unlock capsules. That would be fun. You want to unlock capsules, which then... I don't know. Maybe they have a power up in them. Well, I'm sure that's what it does. Did you watch the trailer, Mary? Are you no. prepared? No, no. I don't not. care about any games anymore, <laughs> unless there's something incredibly different from the norm. This is. This is incredibly different. This is you flailing in front of the TV, which you will be doing. We don't. And taking video of it. We can't. We won't. We'll have a Kinect by then. Oh, I'm hoping for no. a price drop. I don't think there's going to be a Kinect price drop. I think the thought right now is that Microsoft's going to bundle Kinect with 360 and keep mm. the same price. Uh, no. I mean, I guess that's a price drop, but doesn't help us. This console generation has been going on for a long yeah. time. It has. PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and the Wii have been out since... 2006. At least since I was in oh, co college. Oh, yeah. 5.06. Before I went to Japan for the first time. Yeah. Well... Separate video game podcast conversation. Let's yeah. talk about DVD anyway. releases. Uh, Julian, tell me a little bit about this Jump Superhero Special Selection DVD Volume 1. That's a mouthful. That's the title. Yes. So there's a very special DVD that you can get, which includes the first episode of a, of a variety of anime versions of Junk Mop. Junk. <laughs> Some of them might be junk. Freudian slip. Anyway, there's a very special DVD that you can buy that contains the first episodes of the TV versions of a number of Jump manga. These include Dragon Ball, Fist of the North Star, Saint Seiya, Slam Dunk, Dr. Slump, and King Nikuman. And the DVD is only about 1,200 yen, and um, it's available freely. So, well, not for free, but freely, and you can get it at CD Japan or Amazon Japan. Uh, and perhaps since it is a volume one, there may be more in the future, although we haven't heard anything just yet. Uh, actually, I did see someone responded there. Apparently, Crunchyroll News reported that there will be future ones that will have Z and other stuff on there, so I guess we just missed that follow-up story, but... So, 1,200 yen, first episodes of various series. Dragon Ball's on there. Exciting. Doesn't really help us, I guess, but it's a product. Mm. Something else to add to the yes. home video guide, I suppose. I'm sure you mm -hmm. must love that. Uh, yeah, Heath and I go a little bonkers every time there's a new release. How do we... It's much better these days than it was, but even now it's very confusing. Uh, Julian, I'm going to stick with you because you did the translation on this. Tell us about Super Saiyan Awakening, new update coming for Zenkai Battle Royale. Yes, 
So coming up in July, there's going to be a new incarnation, I suppose you could say, of Zenkai Battle Royale with the subtitle Super Saiyan Awakening or Super Saiyajin Kakusei. So you're going to get four Super Saiyan characters uh, and that will be Goku, Vegeta, Gohan, and Trunks. And it says there will be various improvements in order to deepen your enjoyment of the single player mode as well as having a battle system that has evolved allow you to get into even more intense fights. So uh, among the blurbs on the page, it mentions you can experience that story. There's a screenshot of Vegeta and Nappa, although we're not sure exactly if it actually means you get to experience that fight. There's also a matching class evaluation system, which has improved. I guess it existed before, but I haven't played this game, so I'm not really familiar with it. And there are fights to level up, which you have to meet certain requirements, I think, judging by the picture that's included with it. And um, it also says there's more to come, but uh, wait for further information. So you're on notice. The test launch was back in December 2010, uh, and I forget when the official launch was, but it's been getting uh, more and more characters over time. And just last month, we got the story uh, Mr. Satan and Majin Buu were both added as playable characters. So this story goes up, and of course, everyone's like, hey, home release they're adding a story mode and extra characters is this preparing for a home release well we don't know but we certainly have hopes dreams and aspirations for that sort of thing. i don't know how you can aspire to someone else releasing a video game but i guess i do mary you don't look very interested in this it's a different kind I'm of sorry, game i'm zoned out <laughs> you, uh, games hold no interest to me anymore me i like here. video games i know no excitement no cares mm-hmm Nothing. All right. Well, I'm going to drag you back into this next conversation. We're going to take it over to our topic. What if? Ooh. So earlier this week, uh, unbeknownst to the greater forum community as a whole, I was posting up what would become a podcast topic, and I wanted to get your responses to this to add a little extra to our conversation. I came up with five in no real order or priority or anything like that. Just a couple little what ifs. Some of them are significant. Some of them maybe not so significant. But if these things were different in the story, how would the story change over time? And I think I know noted in uh, my original post there, something that people always go back to was uh, if 19 and 20 stayed as the main villains for that next arc, as Toriyama clearly originally intended to do, because we got the, uh, I don't want to say interference, but prior editors, colleagues saying, oh, these guys are kind of stupid. Who else you got? Oh, they look like young punks. Oh, that form of cell looks stupid. And that ultimately gave us perfect form cell but it wasn't originally that way so people have talked a lot about you know how would the story have changed if it really was 19 and 20 that were the villains for that arc so i kind of want to play on that and give a couple other little situations here so i've got five other people put more questions into the forum thread i encourage everyone to check it out give your own thoughts ask some more questions it's just a fun way to uh kind of further explore the show and toriyama's writing style and since it's episode 300 we're all about having fun so let me give you my first one here, Mary and Julian, I propose this to you. It's later revealed that Goku's tail can grow back, at least up until a certain age or something. Somehow he can no longer grow back uh, at some point. But what if it never grew back after that original incident at Pilaf's castle? Just to give you a couple ideas, if his tail never grew back, Jackie Chun wouldn't have to destroy the moon during the 21st Budokai, meaning man-wolf slash wolfman, the joke there. He wouldn't be out for revenge because the moon would still be there and he could still change. And I guess let me start off by asking, would it affect seeing Gohan go Ozaru later on? Would you still feel like, oh wow, it's been so long 
long since we've seen that because Goku did do it again later, but it was still pretty early on in the story. So would you still feel that, oh, snap, Ozaru again? Mary, let me ask you first. I'd say, yeah. I mean... Going from just once uh, to just once again with uh -huh. the new character. Because it almost verges on like eye rolling, oh, not again, mm -hmm. you know, with Goku. But uh, leaving it to just Gohan would be really, really interesting and shocking. Like, whoa, I can't believe he did that again. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you you have to also think that if Goku's doesn't grow back, then probably Gohan's wouldn't right, grow back. Right, after either. that one point. So, in that case, how would they have defeated Vegeta? Mm. Is there anything else? That's the bigger question. Is there anything else that would be interesting to you guys about well, the you tale? already said Jackie Chun would never have had to destroy the moon, so... Right. Yeah. That's kind of the most significant one there. Alright, let me read a couple of thoughts from the, the forum thread here. Piccolo Daimao says, Not sure if Goku would have even gotten past his match with the Giron. His tail grew back during that fight, which prevented a ring-out little uh, situation there. But perhaps Goku would have found another way of winning that match or getting through it. And then Michi says, the tail was important to his training since it was a weakness he had to overcome. Oh, I never would have thought of that. I I actually, like that. Uh, as I'm looking through uh, these notes here, I realized how much I don't remember Dragon Ball. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to reread all Early of Early stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just in our, we get some great thoughts here from our live chat. Buddy Kaboom says, it would kind of be like the Ozaru making its sudden reappearance in GT. Just that, oh, wow, we haven't seen this in such a long time. Good to have that in there. Yeah. Anything else you guys have on Goku's tail? It's kind of a minor one, but I wanted to throw it out there. Well, you know, with the moon being gone, think about all the tides, the effects on the Earth's rotation. Yeah, no one I mean, ever... There are lots of that. implications that are never really discussed. Chaos. 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 Streets. Chaos. <laughs> All over town, it's chaos. <laughs> All right. So here's another one. I call this Goku and the car. At the very end of the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai, we have Goku and Tenshinhan. They're falling. Uh, the ring's been destroyed. So at this point, whoever hits the ground first is the loser. Goku's, uh, he's hit by a car, which results in him hitting the ground first and therefore losing. So my question is, would it have made a difference if Goku won, if he didn't get hit by the car. Let me give you some extra stuff here. Would Goku have gotten too cocky about winning, which is something Kami Senin was uh, worried about him in uh, in there. I also think that Tenshin Han was pretty much already reformed by that point. He had that great conversation with Kami Senin earlier in the tournament. So it's not like him winning would have made a difference in that respect. So Julian, let me start with you. Would it have made a difference if Goku won the 22nd Tengaichi Budokai? Didn't get hit by a car. Mm, well, it would be kind of cool briefly, but I think in some respects it would kind of undermine the sort of arc that goes on in the early part of the series, and that's that he's kind of got this drive to keep getting stronger. And although we know the character himself would probably still want to keep going, um, I don't know, have him win, okay, I guess it's yeah. over. Okay, Mary, what about you? Would it have made a difference? It would have been, not anticlimactic, but it would have been proving that Goku always wins and having him lose for once is very refreshing. Right. Actually, he loses quite a bit over the course of those early chapters. He loses 21st. He loses 22nd. Piccolo Daimao beats him the first yeah. time. So, I don't know. Goku's kind of like, half and half during those early chapters, but I I agree. I like seeing him lose. Because he needs something to strive on. for. for yeah, sure. yeah. Um, From a practical standpoint, it would have been neat to see him win and then suddenly have money and then maybe not know what to do with it. Like, well, I'm just going to buy feasts for myself. <laughs> well, that is what happens anyway after that tournament because Tension Han's part of the gang. Oh, right. They yeah. all just go out and eat and then <sighs> a little friend is killed right. in the process. Yes. But In a way, it doesn't really matter who wins because he just... 
eats on whoever the whoever's dime actually of right, whoever right. actually won. Kaboom coming back with more thoughts. Maybe a coincidence, but Goku did kind of slack off during those five years after the twenty third tournament. Indeed, we have Piccolo coming up with a move specifically to kill Goku with, and Goku's like, "Nah, I got nothing. Let's just try and fight Raditz and win." So there's something there. All right, let me give you some fan thoughts here. Uh, Piccolo Daimao again feels the same way about Tension Hunt reforming. So no, it really wouldn't have made a difference. I think people are kind of on the same page as us here. And Michi again, if Goku won, perhaps there would be less interest in the 23rd tournament since Goku would already be a winner. I don't do know. Think? He'd probably be a little concerned with maintaining his title. Well, I guess that's more of the audience would be less interested in seeing him Oh, okay. Participate. From Goku's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, him too. Yeah, he'd want to keep his title. Although, did he want to? He didn't bother to show up to the 24th tournament, so I guess he didn't care too much about that title. He had other things to do. <laughs> or was he dead at that? He was probably dead during that point. Yeah, like I said, he had other things to do, like die. Maybe. I'd have yeah. to check that timeline. Julian, do you remember when the 24th <laughs> is supposed to take place? Putting us all on the spot here. Uh, it's, <clears throat> no, we don't remember. No, That's all right. All right. I think it might have happened sometime yeah either they were on Namek yeah, or I I'd, think he was there. sometime after the cell game alright so let's move on to the next one here another maybe insignificant one but lunch what if she stuck around we know that Toriyama forgot about her and I'd say it's arguable that she outlasted her relevance to anything at all anyway but could she have served any purpose in even a fun or creative way we have this problem with Toriyama where he introduces these characters he uses them for all their worth and unless you're female which she is and you can pop out out a baby you don't really do much after the hair goes gold but her hair is gold her hair does turn gold so mary i'll go back over to you again was there anything toriyama could have done with lunch to keep her around and make her interesting for at least a little while longer i don't know that toriyama can he is women. creative I don't know if he's a good enough writer of female characters to place her in a role other than Kami Sinin's wacky maid that sometimes goes on a murderous drunken rampage. <laughs> With all of her guns up at the attic. It would have been fun if, like, Bulma somehow made her her lackey in, like, her oh? schemes and adventures. We'll get to that maybe in a little second. Julian, how about you? Do you think that <laughs> Toriyama could have uh, given her anything at all here? Hmm, well, I don't know. In general, he doesn't seem very good with keeping female characters relevant once they reach a certain point. Even if they are invaluable as fighters at some point... I don't know, for example, if she gets together with Ten Shin Han, suddenly her relevance is mostly in that she's the mother of another character who may or may, may, or may not have three eyes and blonde hair. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Let's do some fan talks here. Uh, same couple people here. We will talk about uh, other people. Did anyone thoughts. post in this thread? <laughs> I know. It, it doesn't seem like they did, but uh, I, I tried to take some of the smaller comments, so we didn't have... Jacob wrote eight paragraphs on one of the answers. I'm not going to read all that, but you can go read it for yourself. Anyway, so uh, for lunch, Piccolo Daimao says, uh, could have had some fun moments with Vegeta and some more front row seats to things, but that's about it. I don't understand what that means. What do you mean? Front row seats at the tournament. Remember, she would always bring the guns oh, okay. and she'd fight her way up to the front row seats. Right. That was, yeah, a, that again, was a thing that I happened. I really need to reread Dragon Ball. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, Michi says, have a kid with attention oh, on. Popping Julie, out the babies. Like you were talking about. All right. So here's some uh, other folks' thoughts. Akamaito Beam says, she could have been a weapons expert. Basically, she's Batgirl. Like you were saying, Mary, uh, Bulma could be developing the weapons and Lunch could be using them. Right. They could be taking out some small time villains. Maybe she could have been Great Simon number three. Yeah, too much of an age difference. Maybe she would become a villain if she happened to sneeze during the robbery or robbery prevention. I don't know. I think uh, someone needs to be writing some fanfics. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, l later on, she sort of seems to be kept in line by the fact that there are stronger people around her, but she's still, you know, wielding a machine gun mm -hmm, in the crowds mm -hmm. and stuff. All right, so this last one here, I love this. Our buddy Gaffer Tape, or Mister Fusion, or Lancer, whatever you want to call him, uh, says lunch could have been a perfect pairing with Vegeta. Guy shows up, he's all full of pride from finally becoming a Super Saiyan, and he's introduced to this woman who, she becomes blonde just by sneezing, so he suffers a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> My favorite video. Vegeta is broken, Vegeta. It's broken, Vegeta. Break me. Break me. Break me. Break me. I think that's a, a fantastic uh, idea there. Lots of people have always said, oh, man, maybe she's secretly like one thirty-second cyan. That's why her hair can go gold, but it's broken because she sneezes and that's how it's triggered. Hey, maybe you could pull in some story aspects there. I don't know. You never do get any explanation about that, do we? Why would you? It's Toriyama. Okay, so maybe if he had kept lunch around, he'd explain it. Okay. That, that would have been nice. <laughs> Someone finally things to ask. Hey, why are you that way? Yeah, science experiment gone wrong. All right, so let's go over to uh, probably a significant one here. This is Vegeta is killed. He was killed. Earlier. <laughs> so Goku stops Kudadin from slashing Vegeta to death. But what if he went ahead and did it anyway? Would Goku have held a grudge against him for it? Because he's like, no, I want to fight the strong dudes. Or would he have understood why he had to be killed there. Or what if Yajirobe actually managed to do more damage than he really did? Serious question here, because obviously he's kept around for a much longer period of time. Important, significant character. Would it have made a difference? Of course it would. <laughs> but where would it go and how would the characters respond if Vegeta was killed there on the spot for his crimes against humanity? Hmm, well, I think, uh, unfortunately for the Earth, there are various points where we'd all be doomed in the Dragon Ball universe. Universe. So let's see. Frieza finds out by listening into the scouters of Vegeta and Nappa that there are Dragon Balls on Namek. So he goes to Namek. Heroes have the idea to go to Namek. There's no Vegeta to wreak havoc. So you've got Zarbon, you've got Kui, you've got everybody else that Vegeta kills. It's still a credible threat. And if they still manage to survive somehow on Namek, coming back to Earth, there's no trunks because Vegeta's dead, so he never had a child with Bulma, and therefore the artificial humans can basically do whatever they want. If Frieza doesn't kill everyone first, although if Goku survives that long, then maybe he could still take care of that. But then, yeah, so you've got the artificial humans, you've got Cell, and if not then then Vegeta still has an important role to play in the Boo arc, although it's possible that maybe Boo would never have come out because they wouldn't have enough energy. Enough. Yeah. Took us to the very end there. All right, so I guess Mary. Oh, Is there how anything do I follow you can add? Up? Well, just the show wouldn't be as interesting without Vegeta. I can't even picture that. Oh, I guess everyone would be a whole heck of a lot happier. Well, they'd all be dead. I oh, suppose. Dear. Yeah, I got nothing. That was a pretty extensive overview. All right. Well, I had a question in there that we didn't really talk about, and I think people explained it away appropriately enough on the forum. Do you think Goku would have held a little bit of a grudge against Kudadin there for killing him, despite saying, no, don't kill him? If Dragon Ball was a little deeper, that would have been awesome. But yeah. no one really has any real feelings. <laughs> no, no one has feelings. And I agree with what people are saying, that Goku's not that way. Maybe he'd be upset for 
for a little bit, but you probably get over it and understand why he had to do it. So uh, I guess let's go over to a couple thoughts here. Uh, just, yeah, Akamato Beam says, no, there's no grudge. He'd be angry, but he'd shrug it off eventually. They'd still plan the trip to Namek. Here's where things get interesting, though. I like these thoughts. Vegeta's ship is still there. So without the need to know Namekian to fly God's ship, because they have another spaceship right there already, and it probably wouldn't be destroyed on live national television with a button press. So they would have Dr. Brief modify Vegeta's ship to hold Goku, Gohan, and Krititin after they all healed up, and then they would proceed from there. So it would be that trio of folks that take off. And maybe things would play a little differently, because then instead of having Vegeta being the third wheel, Goku would be there the whole time. So maybe it would play out somewhat similarly, but Goku would probably, each villain along the way, say, I don't really want to hurt you, but if I have to, instead of Vegeta being like, all right, one down, two down three down, <laughs> moving his way up the ladder there. So I like those thoughts. Although on the other hand, would Goku have been able to do the, the uh, 100 times gravity if there were other people on the ship who would... Ah, you know, uh, fair point. Yeah, Goku, like his trip on the way there, he had all the time, well not all the time, he had what, 10 days it took him? I don't remember. But yeah, he was training all by himself there on the way up and he got a chance to, you know, better himself for the better. All right, so let's move over to my last what if of uh, this section, although there are plenty more in the forum thread. And again, is this really significant? Probably not, but I always like to know or like to think about what if Yamcha paid attention? So what if he didn't turn around with that thumbs up after he kills the Saibai man? Or maybe he just simply did more damage than he actually did as it plays out and did not get blowed up. So would him sticking around make much of a difference? Would Piccolo still be alive by the time Goku returns? Or would Nappa have stepped up his game and still picked them all off one by one? Mary, I go to you as, I don't know, you like Yamcha. I do. He's all right. Would it make a difference if he survived that first fight instead of dropping his guard there? I think an extra set of hands would always be helpful in a fight. Uh Uh-huh. And I think Goku would have less reason to be angry when he finally shows up on the scene because like all his friends are dead at that <laughs> point, except for, you know, three of them. Not right. Piccolo's his friend, but you know what I mean? Well, Piccolo's dead. Um, okay. okay. I'm getting my Well, we don't know. Bit. I'm getting my, my, uh, my uh, Who's sagas. All right. You're thinking about Frieza. Right. Piccolo's standing there. Right. Oh, yeah. So th- around. It's like the same damn three, isn't it? Oh, my God. Ah. Same tree. But does it really make that big of a difference? Of course not. It's Yamcha. <sighs> Okay. See, I've got the practical answer. No. All right. Done. Julian, what do you think? <clears throat> you see how much good he does during the arc with number 20? Yeah, well, he just gets a bum card. Cannon fodder. Julian, what do you think? Would it make a difference? Would things play out somewhat differently? What do you think? Mm, he might get killed halfway through the Namek arc. Would he go with them? He might, but he might not. He might be deciding it would be a better idea to stay alive on Earth. And be reduced to a satellite character even earlier. Yes, that is his ultimate fate. He gets training and then he comes back to get impaled. By being heroic and dead, he almost, he has a bigger (laughs) role than if he were, you know, just alive. Oh, wow. Look at Julian. Yamcha serves more of a purpose dead than he does alive. And even then just marginally. Yeah. I can't say I disagree. So, uh... Some other thoughts from the forum. Michi says, yeah, the only real difference is that the game would have lasted a little longer with the the one-on-one with the side-by man. So I want to hear what all of you guys and you gals have to think. Uh, I guess you can just pop over to that forum thread. It's one of those deals, again, where we have a thread for every episode. But this episode is based on another forum thread. So where do you post your thoughts? I guess for this kind of topical stuff, go throw it over in that forum thread just to keep things consolidated and nice and easy and 
fancy free or whatever the kids say these days. So those are our what ifs. What we're going to do now is celebrate a little bit with episode 300 and talk, uh, I guess, a little bit about the show, but also answer some actual questions from all of you folks that you've sent in. We'll talk real Dragon Ball shortly, but the first question came to us from our buddy Taku. Andrew wants to know what our favorite episode or moment these past 300 episodes was or is, if we have any favorite moments. So I want to get Mary, your thoughts, Julian, your thoughts. We have a couple of thoughts from people on the Facebook page and Twitter as well. So Julian, let me go over to you. You and I started this show in, I think yes. it was November 2005. So have you had any favorite moments or even favorite episodes? over these six-ish years of the show. Well, I always had a lot of fun with the manga review of Awesomeness. Um, Just because it was nice to get sort of a refresher on the manga, but also a lot of fun and a lot of silliness. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, Let's see. A few other favorite moments. We sort of breathlessly reported on the news about Dragon Ball Kai. Yeah. Did you enjoy that, though? That That was really interesting. It didn't um, well, the finished product was not exactly what I hoped it would be, but uh, that sort of breathless excitement at the very beginning was pretty cool. And the fact that my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, allowed me in the middle of, you know, just um, spending time together to go off and report on this. Yeah. I think that that proved that she was marriage material. <laughs> she was the right one. It's like, okay, dear, you can talk about your little dragon ball. See, I agree. <laughs> Yes. Any woman who will say that, she's a keeper right there. <laughs> I yes. concur. Uh, all right, Mary, so how about you? Did you have any favorite moments or favorite episodes? Oh, You've been there since episode two. Two, right. And I had a little brief you know, departure early on before I became a regular. I suppose. Um, I really loved any time that we had a guest on the show. I'm trying to remember which ones we've had. I know Steve... Mm-hmm. Talk to Steve was great. Well, it's so strange because people who were guests at one point over the natural course of time usually just become regular friends anyway and show up well, on no, the show I'm multiple not times. Referring to people who became regular, just the so one off. Like, oh, oh, we're not friends with Steve. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> very special. So who else? Who else do we have on? Or just other episodes that you've enjoyed. Any special times? Obviously, the number 42 cake was a good time. Oh, yes. Because any excuse to buy an Oreo cake is a great thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yes. I wish I had prepared for this. I didn't get that cake, though. <laughs> we sent, you we emailed internet. you a slice. Did you not get it? Uh, Feels like I know email. it's tough to be put on the spot, but I wanted to put you on the spot for that kind of thing. You don't know? No, no. no I just got to think about it. Do we have like an outline of, like, of every episode? No. <laughs> like a list of if every episode. If you go to the iTunes listing, ever. or there is a website, by the way, where you can see all 300 episodes archived. Do you want me to just talk about other people's thoughts, see if it jogs any memories? Uh, Sure. All right. Uh, I want to toss out a thought, something that I enjoyed because I thought it was hysterical, something that I wrote and I had a good time. Oh, I thought of something. What, all right, what are you thinking? I was going to say the April Fool's joke. Oh, that yes. we acted. <laughs> Our audio <laughs> drama episode. Yes. Where, I remember that one. systematically killed by Steve Simmons. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Jeff. Was Jeff, killed Jeff. Jeff killed Jeff killed In the us. end. I don't remember. I also enjoyed... Um, I was dead. I didn't know. Okay, I thought of another moment okay. I liked is the uh, the orange bricks came out and another you know production thing. That's, that was my moment. <laughs> that was, uh, yes, the thing that you do with Jeff. Yes, the high definition. Yes, our audio press release of remastering the podcast in widescreen crop oh, yeah. high definition. That is uh, one of my favorite moments of all time, and it's kind of lame because it's like I wrote it and I produced it, and it's hysterical. Aren't I great? But I thought it was actually really well done. And some of that stuff has actually made its way into our. Day. Okay, maybe not daily, but somewhat regular vernacular. We walk around going in high, high definition. definition. 
ways. They'll do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, and any of the sort of in jokes that we got, or the the weird clips that we turned into sort of videos or dance remixes, like the time that my audio just completely was destroyed. So you just took the fragments and made it into. Oh, a, I love the Julian yes. remixes. <laughs> Or the the Godfather parody. Yes. Uh, let's see what else did we do. There was a time where we got this really bizarre fan mail that uh, I don't even remember what it was about anymore. But it was in completely broken English to the point that it was, and it also seemed to be sort of like coming on to Mary. Probably. So I, I read it. <laughs> I read it in a weird accent. Oh, oh yeah. And then I requested love letters for Julian. I remember this now. <laughs> and we got one the very next episode. That's so funny. Creepy love letters for Julian. I remember that. <laughs> I like the ones, the emails that we get where they're written so poorly that you have to uh, insert correct them. You have to correct them. Punctuation. Or you would read them as is. <laughs> because, I mean, we, awesome. have, we have strict rules for a reason. Because when I read those posts, the way I would read them on the show is how I read them in my head. In all, ca- I always describe it as like a kid with his hands over his ears, just going like, blah, blah. And drag along, and this is my question. Like, that's how I read those emails and those posts. So, I like to try and correct them when I can so I don't read them that way on the show. All right, let's talk about other folks and some of their favorite moments. Uh, Harrison says, I like the podcast where you talk about Dragon Ball. That's too general for you? Yeah. Uh, Thanks. See what you did there. Uh, Steven says, The day Mike and Mary reviewed and destroyed the orange bricks. Haha. Julian, you were there, and Corey was there as well. Oh, yeah, Corey. That was early on. It was not one of our best produced episodes, but I think the content was fantastic. <gasps> oh, can I can I come in with another favorite moment? Okay, do you have a favorite moment? I favorite loved time? doing the round table at our house about Dragon Ball Evolution. That was a great time, yeah. Just because we've just to have that many people in our tiny apartment at the time <laughs> was like a feat in and of itself, but getting all those microphones I had mixers, all in one daisy place. chain to mixers and just a technological feat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we still need to do our heckling of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know Kaboom was working on uh Misty kind of thing for it. Yeah, wasn't it. it like a Rift Tracks type thing? Yeah, Team Four Star did one as well. I haven't actually watched it with it. Maybe that's the best way to uh, do it. Although, right. Mary, we still need to watch the Japanese version of the movie. <gasps> I bought the DVD, the Japanese one. That's about what it's worth. Off. Yeah, it's about... All right, let's move on here. Uh, Matthew says... Favorite moments. Mike doing acapella kikuchi during movie review kind of things. Uh, I enjoy dun, dun, dun. doing that. Dun, 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 dun. There will be a little bit of that uh, later on. It won't be kikuchi, but it will be someone else. Because to answer the question, I'll have to perform it a little bit. I said to our buddy Kerberfer on Twitter earlier, uh, I think him and I need to do a duet uh, acapella of some type of song. Because he's great with that stuff. And I want to be involved too. And I'm the boss. And you don't so. sing. No, and so I don't sing. So for you to say that is serious business. Maybe I'll just do like bom, bom, bom in the background or something. Have him do the actual tune on top. Let Julian the talented needs people to get shine. in on this tune. I know. I need Julian to come back to the state so I can put him in front of a real microphone and record him very, very well. Uh, other folks had I'm thoughts sorry. on Twitter and Facebook as well. I want to get to uh, other more Dragon Ball specific questions. I don't want it to all be about, hey, we're great and everyone loves the show. Isn't that fantastic? But uh, all of that is true. Uh, Barty Joe Space Cap asks, a podcast has been going strong for six years now. Where do you see yourselves in the fandom in another six? And kind of tying in with that, uh, Tetsuyama Minato asks, where do you think the franchise is right now? Where do you want it to be by episode 400? Similar things like uh, a little bit of a reflection and where do you think it's going to 
go. Uh, so where do we see ourselves in another 100 episodes or a few years from now? I guess, Julian, I'll go to you. Where do you kind of want the franchise to be? Let's just, I don't know, kind of cut it into the middle there. Five years. Where do you want the franchise to be five years from now? Hmm, in five years? Oh, I don't know. It'd be nice if there was another period of revival, but I think we maybe need to wait for the kids who saw Kai to get a little older mm, first. Yeah. But at the same time, they still have the original Dragon Ball, and if they really want to, they have GT... And as well as the boo arc of Z that they could still milk if they wanted to. The question is whether they consider it too much of an expense at this point. Or, you know, they could they could just go the whole hog and they could just reanimate the whole thing. And they could do a Dr. Slum thing and just change all the voice actors, too, although that would be kind of heartbreaking for it us. It would be. Well, we've already lost so many at this point. I kind of just want them to stop. Yeah. Just leave it alone. You know, it's a long time ago and a lot of them were already veterans in the industry. Yeah. Mary, how about you? Where do you want the franchise to be in five years? Um, I hope they give it a rest both here and overseas so that it could become happy nostalgia again. Again. Like it and was. And then another five years after that. Watch it something, crumble. Something will come out and everyone will be like, wow, remember when Dragon Ball was like the hot awesomeness and oh my god i love that mm -hmm. i just love that feeling when everyone comes together regardless of if you know they're a hardcore fan or not just remember oh yeah that's what got me into anime or yeah i really enjoyed those times yeah just feelings of coming together yeah. um beyond that i hope they lay off the video games i thought you were gonna say i hope they lay off the production staff no <laughs> no 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 no. maybe they need to do that too i don't know no i don't do no no, no. just fewer video games so then that can become nostalgia again well, maybe we are getting fewer video games i mean the stories this year are all over the place they are confirmed is connect that's it we'll see do i have to answer this i don't I really guess. know i i agree with you guys where it's let's let it be for a while let Heath and I and Julian and Jake focus on back older content, get that all caught up again, leave it alone so we can catch up on that stuff and then we'll get to yes. newer things again. Leave Dragon Ball alone. Yes. All right, let's move on to the next question here from Paul on Twitter. Sunlight and City Night. Fantastic reference, obviously, to the hit song collection there. Hey, guys, 300th episode. Eh? Congrats. Got a question. What's the rarest piece of Dragon Ball merchandise you each own? I can answer that easily okay. and quickly. Sure. Well, because there's only one of each frame of animation in the show, <laughs> mine would be my trunk cell. Oh, that's true. Very nice. What is it? It's from the Trunks TV special. And yes. his head is getting stepped on by number 17. Very nice. <laughs> so it's not. Um, I love how major Trunks fan and the cell you go for is Trunks that's being That's all I on. could find that I could afford. I'm, or I, I should say, ask ask my parents to afford because yeah, it was a Christmas present when met. I was, was like old. 18 or so. Yeah. And most trunk cells, as they tend to nowadays, go for like 250, 300 bucks. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Ah, that kind of money. I'm not going to ask my folks to drop that kind of money on an animation cell. So wow. my cell was uh, 45 bucks. Okay. And I'm happy with it because I can pause on that very moment in the Trunks TV special and I say, I own, I own that. that. That shit's in my basement. <laughs> yeah. I treat that nice. Very yeah. nice. All right, Julian, how about you? Do you have any piece of Dragon Ball merchandise that is uh, rare or you treasure, maybe? Well, let's see. I have an animation cell from GT. Oh, do you now? It's... Um then one, I think it's Goku. I can't remember exactly. I think it's Goku fighting against the Ice Dragon. Which one is the Ice Dragon again? Number. Uh -huh. I fell asleep. Uh, anyway, that's that's my big problem. Watching GT episodes in preparation for the review uh -huh. episodes. Which, uh, yeah, uh, we gotta make asleep. that happen. I try to watch them on the train, and I think. This is this is not particularly interesting. <laughs> Train lulling you to sleep. Ever have insomnia? Just yes. watch those episodes. Oh, it's time to get off. Wait, wait. Wasn't that wasn't that supposed to be half an hour from now? Oh dear. See, I also have three 
Daizenshu. I have the two TV animation ones and the movies and TV specials. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't really think about that, but the Daizenshu, they're rarer these days. Yeah, although two of those I may be um, using for podcasts. Ah, that's things. right, yes. Indeed. Um, I have some very old VHSs that are probably not so valuable. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I think oh, do you maybe have I have something. It's the Dragon Ball Evolution booklet that they had with the Japanese theatrical re- release. That is something. That's but... pretty rare. <laughs> I don't know if you consider it valuable or not. Yeah, I don't know, but it's a thing. It's neat. It's like a consolation prize for seeing the movie. I love how none of us are very excited about this. <laughs> like, yeah, Julian's got a thing. Yes, but it's something that you won't see all that much. Has interviews with the main stars. Dead silence. No one cares. I, I care, care, Julian. I care too. All right. So let me answer the question here. Uh, I tried to think about this. What do I have that I consider rare or treasure? I don't really know. I have a couple of random little things here. So I have the demo disc for Dragon Ball Z3, which we got as Budokai 3 over here. I grabbed that on eBay for $5 at some point. It is still in its shrink wrap. I've had people make offers to me wow. for this. Really? Because I didn't know this was a thing. Well, those three games, Budokai 3 in particular, uh, they're very heavily hackable. And I think people are very interested in how that game came to be and developed and if there's any stuff on there. And I always tell people, well, it's in the shrink wrap and I don't plan on taking it out of its shrink wrap and I want to keep it. So I'm oh. kind of being a total oh. douche about it. I want the money. Give me that money. So I don't know. Maybe I'll open it someday and pop it oh. in the system and then like re-shrink wrap it. Yeah. I don't know. Are you learning <laughs> from your old blockbuster ways? Oh, Oh, yeah, totally. We used to do that all the time. Uh, so anyway, other stuff. Um, that Akira Toriyama The World soundtrack I just recently got in. Uh, I don't know how rare it is, but I never saw it hanging out there before. So that was kind of special to me. Still finding new CDs to this day. And then, uh, oh, I actually, I have two of them that I can show to the camera. I didn't even realize that they were down here. Uh, I have all three of the pre-order items for the Sparking games. Uh, of course, the camera's on the delay, so I can't actually see until I wait and I'm stalling for time. But so, um, the, this one here, the capsule pen, is the first Sparking Games pre-order item. And let me open it up. I'll show you. It's a little clicky capsule pen. It is uh, 1006. Uh, so I have that. And then I have, what is this one? This came with Sparking Neo. It's a clock. This is a Space Pod digital clock. Let me take it out of its package here. Wow, we get all sorts of great... I'm hitting my microphone and everything. Uh, so here it is, and it kind of... I think it opens up. Yeah, I'm still hitting the microphone again. Tiny little, little time thing oh, in there. Oh, it's barely useful. You can't really see it. It's flashing 145, barely. So I guess that's what time it is in space. Uh, <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> and then uh i also have it's not here what was that funny i thought it was funny that was funny in my head as i was saying i'm like julian's gonna laugh at this it's gonna be a great moment uh anyway uh the sparking meteor one i pre-ordered sparking meteor but i didn't get the pre-order item but i guess it was just last year uh, i happened to see it up on ebay from so ncsx is one of those uh import game retailers they had two of the meteor pre-order items and i think i had a coupon for ebay or paypal or something so i got it and it's this tiny little uh shen 
Long ornament. So it's packed up with the Christmas ornaments right, right, right. now. Right, right. I insisted that we turn it into a Christmas ornament well, because tree needs more Dragon Ball. It's Shenlong in the little glass case that right. um, what Dende and Popo brought out. And it's it's tiny, so... I love it. It yeah. is a perfect Christmas ornament. So again, I don't know how rare those are, but I love... I have the complete set of the three of the sparking pre-order items. So We also have exciting. a set of Dragon Balls. What's that? We have a set of Dragon Balls. We, we do. Our buddy Caster as a wedding gift, actually, mm-hmm. instead of Dragon Balls. We could get those. I don't know. Podcasts, I don't know how much show and tell really works. I guess it works for the live stream, uh, but that's the thing. So uh, I guess those are our answers for that. I'm sure we have other things. And I'm sure other people have genuinely rare things, and maybe we do as well, but I can't remember them, so forget that. So this is where uh, my singing comes into play. Over on Facebook, Jonathan wants to know, what are your favorite Kenji Yamamoto songs, plagiarized or oh, otherwise? It is tough because you have to think about the entire history of Dragon Ball video game music. I love all of this stuff, regardless of its, you know, rip offiness or yeah, not. Yeah. Julian, how about you? Can you think of any in particular from Yamamoto that you've enjoyed over the years? Well, I think I definitely enjoyed the theme to Dragon Ball Z 2. I mean, I even sang, sang that karaoke the one time that we were all at that. Uh, yeah, yeah, convention. I remember that. What was that back in 2006? Maybe. I got, I got to give that my vote as well. I love the, the theme to that game. Okay. And did he do the... Because we're talking about ripoffs, you yeah. know, so I, uh-huh. I, I like Movie 7. <laughs> right, he was theme. not the composer of that song. He did oh, the arrangement not. on Giri Giri. I don't know what the difference is. Sorry. Oh, he took the writing for the song and smushed it together to make a product. Okay. Or something. Hmm. Did he do... <laughs> 20 questions. Did he write... <laughs> we could do that with Kenji Yamamoto. Did, uh, you know what? I like the insert song that's a ripoff of that German band of like three oh, yeah. of their songs. Of course you like Battle Point Unlimited. I love yeah. Battle Point that Unlimited. That was all him. See, the thing with that song is, yes, it's a total ripoff, but the talent that it took to combine at least three different songs into something new that sounds coherent and like it always belonged that way, that's still talent in some capacity. He's on the remix. All right, so that's a good answer. Good answer. Any other thoughts from you two? Like I said, I pretty much love everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then regardless. it broke my heart when I realized that yeah they're all ripoffs well they're not necessarily all ripoffs but we don't know all right so my answer is uh beginning in super butoden 3 i believe the name of the song is kyo senshi vegeta evil warrior vegeta mary you'll know this this is the one that goes do 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 oh yeah do 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 Yes, you can do so much with those tunes. And for all I know, that's a ripoff of, I don't know, like a Who song or something. But I love a lot of the songs in that game. And most of them are ripoffs. And that song in particular was uh, reused a few more times after that in other games. But uh, I think that's one of my favorite Yamamoto tracks. So, all right, so let's move on to more questions here. Uh, Francisco, no. Yes, I think Francisco, I wrote, instead of Facebook, I wrote Francisco, and then the name is David next to it. <laughs> I think I meant to write Facebook Francisco, and David was still there from a prior, I don't know what's going on. So imagine one day there's nothing else to talk about with Dragon Ball, <laughs> as if that would ever happen. Not enough content for the podcast or the site, no news, no nothing. Dragon Ball has finally died out. So now you guys have nothing to work with. Would you make a new manga series based website and podcast would you be up to it after having been involved with dragon ball for so long and if yes what series would you want to work with well mary you gave up so you uh, apply i guess her. but that doesn't mean i wouldn't i probably wouldn't make another fan site after seeing like how involved it is well but- the thing is you go in phases as well with other things that you love and yes. enjoy it's just why i was going to say 
if I had the drive to do so, I would work with other series. And what would you go with? Because I think when I think Mary, I think Honey Uridongo, I think X-Men, I think right now <laughs> Avatar and Korra, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But oh, wow. those are in One Piece. Those are passing fancies for you that you mm-hmm. always hold and enjoy. Right. But is there something to the Dragon Ball level that you might <sighs> want to tinker That's with? That's tricky because stuff like X-Men and One Piece, you know, are pretty up there. And X-Men's not a passing fancy per se. Right. I'd say... Mm. Whoa, 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 hold on. The anime destroyed your love of X-Men. Yeah. No, it didn't destroy my love of X-Men. It just means I will never watch that anime of X-Men ever again. So is that Um, the closest, X-Men? No, I was gonna say gem but there's actually mm. some pretty fantastic gem fan sites out right. there what do i more, have to contribute yeah there'd be nothing to contribute i'd say maybe utena because there's a lot of room for writing original essays and stuff where sure. you can kind of speculate and take your own but you don't have things. a master's or phd or anything, no and so. people have scanned the hell out of all the art books so i guess maybe hanayori dango but one of my friends in high school kind of runs like the biggest hanayori dango right fan sites i don't know if it's up anymore oh that's tricky i mean and there's like a there's a wiki for Avatar stuff, so that has like all well, the info a wiki you for need. everything. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, Julian, so, what about you? If there were no more Dragon Ball, what would you dedicate your uh, time and attention to? Well, if it were right now, since my daughter is going to be two years old in uh-huh. two more days, it would probably be something like Buy Keenman EX's Bread Bakery your one-stop authoritative source for everything on Panman. There's a lot of material to work with. I mean, there's over a hundred books, oh, many geez. of which are out of print. You know, you've got a, a monthly manga that was never reprinted in Tankobon. Um, you've got a newspaper manga that only the first third or so was ever reprinted. And you've got thousands of TV episodes, only some of which have been released on VHS or DVD. So, you know, you'd you never be bored. Although it's a question of whether you want to sit through very formulaic episodes where you kind of know what's going to happen in the end. So I, I take issue with this question because it assumes that we've completed all of the work we ever set out to do with Dragon Ball, which is not possible. So there will always be more Dragon Ball to go back to in mine. So uh, that's my answer. Well, no. I refuse to no, answer. No, no, no. I still want to know what series you would pick. I don't know that I have the will in me to do anything. Well, I don't either, but I still answered the question. If <laughs> I, I don't did want have... to answer. I want to know. I like Dragon Ball. I want to know. I don't know, because like you said, just everything else is done at this point. Everyone owns some scene of their own. And the reason why I like continuing to work with Dragon Ball, not I obviously couldn't have been there since the beginning, but I've at least been there more or less since the beginning of the American side of it as well. So I have all of that experience to go with. So if I had to choose something else to force myself into an authority role of, it would have to be something that I could get in from the beginning on. And I don't know what that would be, but whatever it would be, I would want to have that. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I want to be there from the ground up. Well, we can just keep playing what if and say, okay, what if you were there from the beginning and what if there was no other large web presence for a certain A new property? Toriyama series, I guess. Mm. But he's not going to come and do that. Yeah. So. See, Something I, like that. I feel like I'd have a lot of answers. And if, I feel I, like, if I were to like put asterisks by everything, like yeah. doesn't already have a fandom. Right. Or I'd have to research and see, is anyone else doing this? And I mean, that's part of the reason why I do what I do and why Heath does what he does and why we combine is that no one's doing it as well as we think we can do. And we're going to try and do it as well as we think we can. So that's why we did things that we did. 
Right, that, that sort of answers the question. I want to shy away from it because I'll drag them all all the time. So Matthew wants to know, how big of an impact does the English-speaking market have on the release of new Dragon Ball merchandise and media out of Japan? I know that the SH Figure Arts line of Dragon Ball figures have been receiving a wider release in North America than in Japan, where they are online pre-order only exclusives. I have a hunch that the video games are still being regularly released because of the success outside of Japan. Also, hearing from the Ancast that Choi was involved in the Blu-rays makes me think that the English speaking market has a pretty profound effect on the Dragon Ball franchise. Oh, I'm sure. Well, the first thing I want to say there is I think people are taking that comment from the Ancast a little out of context. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like, yeah, we're working in tandem with Toei on blah, 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 blah. I just take that to mean Toei's like, yeah, go ahead and do that. And not like we're going to help you fund it or we're going to, yeah, they're going to okay that it's being done, but I don't see Toei being, we're going to co-produce this release line with you. So that's just my take on that. But in terms of the other stuff, Mary, your answer is yes, it sounds like. I mean, like. just due to the sheer numbers. Yeah, yeah. North America alone is far more people more than people. Japan. To a certain extent, things that are designed from the beginning to have an international release are significantly influenced by the presence of the markets abroad. At least to a greater extent than they were with, say, the original manga or the anime. So to that extent, I think some of the decisions regarding Kai were anticipating an international release sooner than later. Right. I mean, that was built in from their initial projections was we need to expand this out, take advantage of it. As well as a lot of the other merchandise that you can get, like um, action figures and that yeah. sort of stuff. It's sort of assumed that it's also going to have an impact abroad. At the same time, I think it is still being primarily made for a Japanese audience. So that mostly, I think, it <clears throat> has an impact on the the scale of the release. And also, I think it allows some things to be released where maybe they don't think they would have the numbers if they had just sold it in Japan. It might be the reason why we still have those video games coming out. Yeah, that's actually where I wanted to take it. We know, and I know specifically from diving into the financial reports from uh, Bandai and then Namco Bandai, that uh, the Budokai games in particular did fantastically in Europe and North America. Not that they did poorly in Japan, but the success internationally really, really helped those games and we know the Dragon Ball games continue to do well enough internationally and if you looked at just this Connect game alone K-17 was just noting still hasn't been announced for Japan that's funny so if I have to imagine it'll come out there at some point but still they're looking at the international market yeah because who in Japan has a, an Xbox let alone a Connect? So. <laughs> let alone let alone the room to play a Connect game. Yeah. Like, Julian, if you had to set up Connect, would you be able to play where you live right now? You need to knock down a wall, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, the joke about it, but it's pretty true. So, yeah, it, I think it has an effect and it will continue to have an effect. Dragon Ball became a worldwide phenomenon for a reason, and the merchandise is always going to continue to bank on that. So there you go on that. So let's end it on a downer. I didn't mean to <laughs> throw this as the last question. Maybe we'll check and see if more questions have come in so we don't end it this way. But Frank wants to know, in all your years as Dragon Ball fans, what was the single biggest disappointment you've ever been faced with? Be it a game, a manga volume, a TV episode, whatever. I'd like to know just what you guys think was the worst of what Dragon Ball offered you. I could probably give you one of each. All right. One of like all these different things? You okay, said? yes. Okay. So Mary, your disappointment number one with a game. Sagas. Oh, ooh, good answer. All right, your disappointment number one with a manga volume. Or maybe just like an arc or story. An arc? I don't know. Um, 
be careful here. Not what you dislike the most, but what disappointed you. The um the new ending. The um, new ending? Okay. Yeah. Kanzaban ending. All right. Uh, what TV episode disappointed you? I'm not sure Tough. if I was ever disappointed by an episode. I'll tell you, I mean, I'm disappointed the crab didn't eat her. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I guess, I mean, probably a filler filler episode would be like the easiest disappointment. How about the, lol, it's fake namek. Oh my god, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, I guess I was somewhat disappointed in actually the episode of Bardock. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And you didn't read it before you watched it, No, I didn't. All right, Julian, let's go over to you. You don't have to do the same thing Mary did, but do you have any disappointments in the Dragon Ball franchise, be it manga, TV episode, or product or anything? Dragon Ball SD. Dragon Ball SD. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. The ending of episode of Bardock. Yeah, the ending of episode of Bardock. All right. Maybe I'll have to check it out again just to give it another chance, SD, but we'll see. Yeah. You know what? I think that's what I, uh, when I said episode of Bardock, yeah. I think I am in line with what Julian just said. I think it was more with the ending. And the worst part of that is when we talked about this on the show, they added two pages to the reprint themselves adapted from that part of the animated adaptation. Bardock walking into the sunset, smile on his face. That was a disappointment. Mm. Can, can I use internet speak for a second here? Okay. I'll allow this. In before orange bricks. In before uh. orange bricks. Yeah, that, that's what people understand. say in threads when they respond and they're trying to be funny. And they're like, I'm going to say this first. So I say in before or like I'm saying this before anyone else. If I have to explain the internet to you, the internet's that's not That's why funny. I'm not on the internet. <laughs> that was a disappointment. Uh, but uh, I kind of want to go marry your route. Like what were the big disappointments? Um, I guess I was disappointed in the first sparking game and not for the reasons that you might think. I guess maybe in my mind it was the fault of all of us that we were expecting legends out of that game more than we actually got and think I had to overcome that mental hurdle and I do want to be honest maybe that's a little bit of what's holding Ultimate Tenkei Ultimate Blast back a little bit is that we all thought it was going to be just a great version of Raging Blast 2 or the Sparking series but no that game was just shit regardless so Sagas I don't know maybe that's the answer maybe I'll stick with the first Sparking game I think that one disappointed the most uh disappointing manga volume i don't know that i really have a disappointing manga volume i keep going back to stuff and realizing i like it more than i used to yeah so nothing's really disappointing me a disappointing episode though i don't know i kind of want to go on to kill that teacher with the whip (laughs) (laughs) like you don't have to take that shit kid i mean it'd be a very special episode of dragon ball Go on on trial for murder. But he's a juvenile. He can't be held accountable for his actions. He knew what he was doing. He knows the difference between right and wrong. His daddy. Wait, no, a demon taught him the difference between right and wrong. So maybe he doesn't know. It's a very blurry See, line. I'm his lawyer. I can defend that kid. <laughs> I just got what you said. What? <laughs> oh, right. I don't even think that. <laughs> I thought you did it on purpose. No, no. <laughs> Wow. Oh, internet, tell you don't know things. Any other disappointments that any of us have? I was disappointed that Kai didn't make it all the way through the series. Even though I wasn't watching Kai, and I, yeah. I don't really care. I like the concept of it and the idea that it could be easily consumed by a mass market. And for that reason, I'm really sad that Kai didn't see it through. 
uh-huh. for all those little kids out there who think that's the end of the series. Well, we can point you to our intended endings guide. Uh, just from the, the live broadcast here, so Synonymous says, uh, I'm actually disappointed that uh, Dragon Ball Evolution wasn't a smash. I would have loved to see what it would do for the franchise. Mm. I think in a car crash sort of way, I would be interested in that as well. Yeah. Car crash sort of way. Well, well, we could get another sequel to pick apart and have fun with. Totally. And, yeah. Well, same person here. It's another great answer, though. Uh, GT transformation on Game Boy Advance as Legacy of Goku 4 was disappointing. Interesting situation there. When the game was first announced, the URLs for it called it LOG4. So we were all kind of expecting it to be much like Boo's Fury wasn't titled Legacy of Goku 3, but it, it started off previously on Legacy of Goku 2. So we expected transformation to kind of pick that up, but uh, it didn't. It was just its own shitty game that I need to go back and do a formal playthrough and review of it some point uh so that was a really disappointing way to end our questions i didn't think so i'm gonna go mine twitter and facebook real fast to see if we have any other uh favorite moments or other questions that people have uh here we go christian on twitter wants to know did akira toriyama come up with the term z warriors was that just a term from the funimation dub that's tricky when i was around on the internet um back when i was watching uh-huh. fan subs and stuff i saw other people referring to yes. them as z senshi yeah zeto senshi is in the original tv adaptation and so it's from japan a translation of that into z warriors makes sense but we don't know that toriyama himself specifically came up with that he used at one point the term i think something like dragon senshi or dragon warriors mm, which right. is interesting in itself but um, and actually in song titles what you'll see often is dragon soldiers just the soldiers written out in kana as well so that's a term out there we know that toriyama came up with the z portion so i think the tv staff just naturally threw that together our buddy lance has a, a great rant on <laughs> z senshi z warriors as a title but uh i have to dig that up and link it. i think it's a great explanation of why it's a really really stupid thing to say because they don't know they're in a show called Dragon Ball Z, so why would they call themselves that? Because they, they 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 want to think it's almost over. <laughs> That's true. The character's like, are we done yet? Uh, Alex on Twitter wants to know: Have you spent much time playing the retro games, the NES, the Famicom games, Game Boy, etc.? That's a good question. I can answer this. <laughs> no, no, I have not had a chance to sit down with any of those. Um, type in a way to pull up my game list to see which games I own. Uh, the only games I really, uh, as far back as I can remember, Super Famicom for were, you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Hyper Dimension. Yeah, you played, played. Hyper. Dimension. That's probably your oldest. Maybe you dip back to the Butodan games at some point a little bit. Once I met you, yeah, yeah, yeah. but pre-Mike. Um, <laughs> There's the no such thing. thing as pre-Mike. Yes, there was. I've always it's existed. It's crazy. It's um, the oldest I've gone back to has actually been, because I tried to pretend I'm an expert on it, Saiyujin Zetsumetsu Keikaku, Plan to Eradicate the Science on the Famicom. I did try and play through that as much in Japanese as I could. Uh, and of course, I've played the Playdia games as well. I think that's the oldest. In terms of Game Boy, I only own Goku Hishoden, uh, Goku Soaring Legend is what Julian, maybe you or Jake translated it. Does that sound right? Uh, sure then. It's roughly approximate, I think. I own it. I've played a bit of it. I think those are the two most retro games that I've put any significant amount. Of. Oh, Dragon Power on NES. I don't know if that counts, but... Uh, yeah, sure. Why the heck let, not? Let's say it does. Uh, Julian, how about you? <laughs> you don't play games. Games? What are those? <clears throat> yes, Super I, TTC? I, I've played some arcade games. Super Dragon Ball Z, where I got completely trounced. trounced by some kid 
playing as Chi-Chi. Yeah, that was a good story, though. All right, here's a good question to end things on. Garrett over on Facebook. What are your favorite character-defining moments of the series? Like the moment when Goku looks down at the creator after blasting Frieza. It's something about the look in his eyes. Like, I really didn't want it to come to this, or I feel so sorry for him or something. You can see that he's really a great guy, but was just pushed to the limit. So maybe just this panel from the manga that solidifies just a character to you, a look in their eyes. Like, you can see... Like Frieza, when he looks at Trunks, he's like, those eyes, things like that. Are there any moments that define a character to you? Julian, let me start with you. This is how we'll wrap up the show here. So moments that define a character. Hmm, I have to say, sometimes they have sort of a dramatic pose that they do. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when Goku is standing there defiantly in front of Demon King. Oh, so, oh that was a Ma- Maeda uh, drawing from the TV version that we talked about. But Toriyama's original mm-hmm. there. That look in his I eyes love that. and that stance. Oh, I want to go dig like, that out. Bitch, it is <laughs> on. Oh, now. Yes. That's a great answer. Things like that. Nice. All right. Mm. That's the one that sticks in my mind. For me, it's got to be Piccolo saving Gohan. Oh, yeah, That yeah. just completely changes the character. You know what I think is my favorite? Because unfortunately, the ending of that episode is kind of poorly animated. Yeah. But the next episode where the smoke is clearing and he's got that smirk on his face right before he falls over, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, and shit, and he took it on. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Good answer. Good answer. I got to take it over to another Goku uh, moment here. And maybe it's kind of a cliche answer. And I think this is sort of taken on almost a meme status. I don't know if people have used it in this context, but the, are you talking about Gurdjieff? And he just that, oh, love that moment. Like it's not just the drawing, but that shows that friendship between those two characters. Like, don't you fucking dare take that person's (laughs) existence, his name, anything in vain. Like I will do everything anything for him. Shows that Goku does have feelings. <laughs> he Fancy does. that. He's not going to hold a grunge against him. He's, How he's could deeper he? than I thought he yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good character. So, and we got a couple of Goku, we got a Piccolo over there. Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. This was episode 300. Oh yeah. my gosh. Of Kanzenshu. Well, a lot of Daisenshu EX in there, but never Kanzenshu. So, uh, that's a good way to wrap things up. I had a great time. Yes. Uh, I, I think people are still watching live. I don't know. We've just been enjoying talking to ourselves and I think I've been making funny faces at the camera i don't know if we'll keep it on the youtube channel that's just me that's par for the course for my uh mary thank you for joining us for episode 300 here i enjoyed the reminiscing i wish my memory was a little more than you know what it was well i'm sure i'm missing a lot of great stuff gotta have poor memory that's just how it works oh really yes that's just to be like the author so thank you again ma'am quite welcome julian so good to have you on the show for our monumentous episode 300 here it's good to still be here I mean, yeah, it's um, been a wild time these past six and a half years. I know. I was mentioning to Heath last episode, like, wait a minute, how long have I known Julian? Oh, shit. Yeah. Ten years. <laughs> how long have you known me, Mike? It's been a long how time. How long have I? I don't know. Who are you? You need to answer this. It's your job as a husband. Twelve years. Yes. Good job. Is this the Almost. girl that lives with you? Almost. Okay. Julian, you still there? You alive? Is Julian dead? We don't know. Shit. I think my audio is peaking. I need to back up a little bit. Hangout is now over. Oh, well. I guess we're done. Why is my audio so loud? Oh, man, I apologize. I don't even know what happened. We'll see what happens You're just that episode. boisterous. That's all. I am. Oh, awful peaking. Uh, so thank you, Mary. Thank you, Julian. My name is Mike Vegito EX. I am the uh, awful peaking audio man this episode. Kanzenshu, www.kanzenshu.com. 
Shu.com. Kan Zen Shu. This is episode 300. We'll be back at you next week with episode 301. What? Yes. Word. Have a lovely week, folks. We will check you then. Alright everyone, thank you so much. You've stuck around to the very end, the after episode. A couple little things I want to mention. Uh, first up, big incredible thanks to our buddy Doug Drabaz. That was indeed Toshio Furukawa, the voice of Piccolo, congratulating us on 300 podcast episodes. Doug was awesome enough to request that for us, all on his own down there at Animazement this past weekend. Incredible, incredible thanks. That means the world to us. And for those of you who have been around so along with us. We mentioned a couple little extra audio bits during the episode. I'm going to go ahead and play them right now just for the hell of it. The first one we have up is the audio press release of the remastered Daisenshu EX podcast series. So you've got that, the Orange Brick parody. And then I've got a couple of our uh, rap remixes or techno remixes. I don't even know what they are. First one's Julian. We took that. I think we were talking about Evolution. That was during the time when no matter what we did, if we talked about Dragon Ball Evolution, something with the podcast podcast would fail. And I think that episode, I could only recover certain bits from Julian's audio on his side. So I just threw them together into a remix song. And then there was a uh, one with Heath. I think he was impersonating Lil John. So I made something there. Uh, yeah, weird times over these last six years. So enjoy the extra stuff. If you've stuck around this far, you're probably looking forward to it. The only other thing is sorry for the random peaking during this episode. Uh, it was our first time broadcasting through Google Hangouts to YouTube. I think during mid-episode it jumped up the audio levels at some point somewhere or somehow so we'll look into fixing that in the future so everything remains awesome. But again thank you thank you thank you. It's been 300 episodes hope you enjoyed it. We have another 300 coming your way. Have a great week. Have a great six years ahead of you. Bye folks. Hey kids do you like the internet Yay! do you like podcasts Yay! do you like widescreen what i don't know do you like high, high definition, definition. wait uh, what uh. ex is proud to announce an all new never before heard experience we've digitally remastered every episode of this phenomenal podcast in a glistening 1080p widescreen presentation we brought the original Japanese Uncut Masters to a state-of-the-art facility for an automatic, no-nonsense, no-supervision remaster. Complete with the voices you know and love. The way it was meant to be heard. We are proud to deliver Dai Zenshu EX in this new format, consistent from beginning to end for the first time in America. Look for the Dai Zenshu EX Season 1 Ultimate Uncut Super Special Remastered High Definition Edition Podcast. Coming soon to a series of tubes near you. Swat. Swat. Why do you want to give your money to him? Okay. 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 Oh dear. What? 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 That strikes me as a bit far-fetched. <laughs> what? 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 You ain't getting me into that plane. God. That's it. 
That's it. That's it. Oh god. Now get off my lawn! Greetings, Michael Lovering. I am Romo Julian. I have come to take you to the planet of the robots, where you can maintain us. I'll never go with you! You must come. There is no choice. Well, I think oh, he better said normal. Damn it. What? Yeah! What? What? Okay. Yeah! Yeah! What? Yeah! Yeah! Okay. There we go. Podcast done.